Hey there, this is Brian. I'm the host of the Engaging Missions show. If you've found this show for the first time, I did want to take a second to let you know that this show is not currently in production. You're certainly welcome to check out all of the archives, but we don't have new episodes coming out at the moment. However, I did want to take a second to highlight one of the sponsors that sponsored the show a while ago. They're not currently sponsoring the show, but if you're looking for a place to invest in the kingdom, I'd recommend checking out Mega Voice Audio Bibles. You can find them at megavoice.com, or you'll find a link in the show notes, and I would encourage you to just check that out and see if maybe that's a fit for your giving. There's no compensation here or anything like that. I just wanted to highlight them. And with that, I'll get you back into the regular program. You're listening to the Engaging Missions Radio Show, Episode 44 with Aaron Palmquist. Welcome to the Engaging Missions Radio Show. If you care about missions, this is the place for you. Whether you're actively involved in ministry and missions, are considering missions, or serve God in the marketplace with a heart for God's kingdom, you're in the right place. Join us each week for inspiration, encouragement, resources, and so much more as we delight in the things that God is doing all around the world. All right, let's get started. I'm really excited to bring you Aaron Palmquist. At first, I wasn't sure we'd be able to get him on the show because he does prefer to keep a bit of a low profile, but I'm really happy that he's agreed to be with us and to step a little bit outside his comfort zone. Aaron is a disciple maker and a church planting practitioner, and I'm really looking forward to hearing what God has been doing in his life and his ministry. Okay, Aaron, I've given just this little introduction. Could you take a minute, tell us about yourself and your ministry? We'd like to get to know you personally. Uh, yeah, uh, so... I'm a, I'm a marketplace Christian. Uh, I have no seminary degrees. Uh, I've never been in any form of paid ministry. I'm currently connected to Field USA, which is a disciple-making network of missionary-minded folks, most of which are bivocational. Uh, a little background, I'll just share my uh, Jesus story with you. Um, my background information, my background story is I, I grew up in a uh, Christian home, um, and uh we were going to church um, over the years as a young kid. Uh, I don't know between the ages of you know six and ten, and hearing the uh, pastor do his local uh, altar, do his uh, doing his altar call um, at the end of his uh, sermons or service. And I remember frequently asking my my mom um, if I was a Christian, if I needed to you know raise my hand, accept Jesus. Had I done that? I wasn't sure. And my mom would say, yeah, you did, you did that with me when you were uh, four years old. And uh, I had absolutely no recollection of doing that, but, you know, I just trusted mom. And, uh, but for whatever reason, I would, that question would come up in my mind. And I'd ask my mom that question uh, a couple times a year uh, between the ages of probably six and ten. Um, and then uh, when I was uh, 12, we moved um, across town. Um, and uh, that was a big that was a big deal for me because uh, I'm not a, I'm a bit of a reserved person, not much of a people person, so I didn't have any friends, and that was a big shift and change for me. Uh, when we made the move in the summertime, I thought things were going to be okay because uh, there was a kid right across the street that was the same age as me. Um, unfortunately, on day one, he he decided he uh, he did he hated my guts and. Uh, he made it his mission in life to uh, make make uh, school life uh, difficult for me, and uh, so in the seventh, I was started in the seventh grade, and that uh, kind of kicked off 
Well, that kicked off really the, the kind of the deepest, darkest, depressing uh, time of my life. And that continued on for about a year and a half. Um, and uh, that kind of escalated to the point where I had suicidal thoughts and um, um, you know, it just got to the point where for me, it was it just seemed like it would be easier to kind of end it all. And, um, you know, I knew, I knew how I would take my life. Luckily I never attempted to do so. Um, but I, anyways, I got to a point where I realized that there was nothing my parents could do to help me. There was nothing my friends could do. I didn't have any friends and there was certainly nothing I could do to get myself out of this depression. Um, it was kind of like I was standing in a bucket and trying to lift. Uh, it just wasn't working. So I, and I realized also at that time that the only way out of this depression was through Jesus. Um, this Jesus that I'd heard about in church so many times before. And I just, I just, just figured, hey, if Jesus is really who the Bible says he is, um, then he should be able to help me with this. Um, so one night I was uh, going to bed and my mom was walking by my room and saying goodnight. And I called her into my room and I just said, hey, mom. I don't ever remember uh, saying that prayer to Jesus that you said I did when I was four. I'd like to do that right now um, so that I know, you know, I can own that. I, I know that I've done that. Of course, my mom said yes. And uh, so I, I said that prayer to Jesus. And uh, the next day, it didn't seem like much had changed. Uh, you know, I still still felt the same way. I still felt depressed. Um, but uh, I would say uh, some time went by, not a whole lot, maybe a few weeks um, went by. And I remember, uh, remember um, Jesus clearly speaking to my heart and he just said, hey, Aaron, if you uh, will follow me, uh, each year hereafter will be better than next. And uh, so, you know, I'm, uh, I'm 41 now and I've raised, uh, raised a stepson who's 21. And so part of me is, is shocked that as a, as a 13 year old, uh, teenager, I acknowledge that God was speaking to me and listened to him. But on the other side of the coin, it's not surprising because that really was the only hope I had at, at that point in my life. Um, and I decided to um, accept those words from Jesus as a promise and uh, decided to, to start following him as best I knew how. And, you know, my life wasn't perfect after that, but I can honestly say that um, each year after that, where I was following Jesus, um, my life has been better each year uh, thereafter. Um, and that, uh, to speed things up a little bit, uh, by the time I was, um, well, I was a good kid, pretty good kid in high school until I went to college. And then I, I basically spent the next 10 years from 18 to 28 kind of running from the Lord and trying to pretend like he wasn't there and uh, doing things to pleasure myself. And um, about it, but so about 28 kind of got tired of that lifestyle and decided it was time to come back to the Lord and, and um, got plugged into a good church. I ended up getting married and baptized when I was 30 years old. Uh, when I was 34, uh, God started stirring in my heart, calling me to do more for his kingdom. Uh, I didn't know what that meant. So I, I kind of felt like, uh, that meant I needed to, you know, quit my job, go to seminary school, uh, become a pastor. Uh, but the more I just sort of listened and um, was patient with uh, what the Lord was calling, um, realized that's that uh, was not what He had in store for me. Uh, it took about a year and a half going through that calling period and wrestling with the Lord because a lot of 
through a lot of that, I felt like I wasn't worthy to be called by him to do more for his kingdom. Um, so at any rate, I, uh, after about a year and a half, um, I just started asking the Lord, what is it that you want me to do uh, for your kingdom? And he, he gave me four things. He said uh, he wanted me working here in the United States, not overseas. Uh, he said uh, I was not going to be working for my local church that I was attending. Uh, he said um, I wasn't going to be up in front of big crowds, preaching to uh, large crowds, but working with small and small groups. And uh, the last thing he said was I was going to be working with people that were far from God, uh, even even people that were um, you know sort of anti-Jesus or anti-Christians. Um, so um, that all happened in uh, so right around January, December, January, uh, see, January, January of 2009. And on my 36th birthday, I um, uh, spent a lot of time praying and, and thinking about what I'll do with the rest of my life. And I, I decided I was going to commit the rest of my life to serving Jesus. Um, that was also the same day I, I reached out and responded to an ad uh, from uh, uh, Field USA made the connection with them, and and uh, what they were doing was in line with those four things God put in my heart, and uh, so I um, decided to uh, partner up with them, learned and learned a lot of a lot about discipleship from uh, folks at Field USA. I appreciate you sharing that, and if you wouldn't mind, could we take just a few more seconds and talk about kind of how you're approaching ministry now? We know that you're in the marketplace, and obviously you're ministering there. Can you share with us a little bit about what that looks like, just maybe a couple of minutes? Uh, yeah, so um, I guess uh, I'm not necessarily limited only to the marketplace. Um, basically, uh, the way I, I approach uh, ministry from a marketplace Christian is I um, just spend I spend time praying and asking uh, God to um, introduce me to or provide the discipling relationships. Um, so I, I do a lot of, a lot of what I do as far as starting new discipling relationships is I uh, try to do my best to be Holy Spirit led with that and uh, start conversations with people that I feel like the Holy Spirit's put in my heart to start conversations with. So that uh, sometimes happens in the workplace. That sometimes happens on the bus ride to work. Um, you know, it's happened with old friends. I've had old friends that have contacted me, you know, nine years after I worked with them on the internet somehow. And uh, it started relation, started up old relationships that way of, um, you know, it's happened with neighbors. It's happened with friends of friends. I've had people that have introduced me to people. Um, uh, but uh, so anyway, I'm not. I'm not really not only targeting people that I work with, uh, but trying to be sensitive to how, who the Holy Spirit is, is leading me to connect with. Um, and uh, so those are some of the spheres of or, or places where the Lord's connected me with folks uh, so far. Very cool. Now that we know you a little bit, can you share with us maybe a scripture or a motivational quote that's really been meaningful to you, and then share with us how that's really kind of shaped your behavior? Uh, yeah. Um, so I, um, I don't, I don't have just one. I got a couple I'm going to share with you. Okay. So I got two categories. I got one. I got a personal life first. It's kind of a more of an inward thing for me. And then I've got uh, some sort of outward and uh, upward, uh, more ministry guiding verses. Uh, my 
So my personal life verse is Psalms 51, 16 through 17. Uh, it says, you, O God, do not desire a sacrifice, or I would offer, offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. And so that psalm was written by uh, King David after he had committed uh, adultery with Bathsheba. Um, but I've also come to realize it's not just about you know, sin in our life isn't just about big, uh, blatant type sins like adultery or, or drugs or that kind of thing. But it, it can be, you know, anything that's less than pleasing to the Father in heaven. So I, the, one of the ways I've used that in my life is, um, or seen that played out was with the first, the first guy that I ever ended up discipling. Actually, that relationship started three days before my 36th birthday. And um, at any rate, uh, when I first met up with uh this fellow his first name was scott um i really kind of really i really when i first met up with him i really had no not much of an idea what discipleship was or how to make a disciple um and when i first met up with him um you know i did what i think a lot of us marketplace christians do i invited him to my church um and then i after meeting up with uh, field usa i realized that i really blew a golden opportunity that the Lord was handing me to lead somebody to, you know, into relationship with Jesus. And, uh, so when I realized that I tried getting in contact with this fella and, and a couple of weeks went by and, um, I wasn't getting any communication back from him. You know, I tried calling him, texting him, emailing him, et cetera, and just not get hearing anything back from him. You know, so I really felt like I had botched that opportunity. I'd, you know, done something totally wrong. And, uh, at any rate, um, one day I was driving to work in my car and um, just really feeling uh, like I'd, uh, you know, messed up, messed up a good opportunity. And I uh, got to work and parked the car and, um, you know, just really started crying out to the Lord and, and uh, begging him for another opportunity with this fellow Scott. And, uh, you know, it was really a heartbroken uh, time for me uh, where I, mean, I was literally crying and uh asking the Lord for another opportunity with Scott. And right in the middle of that prayer, my cell phone rang. And normally I wouldn't even bother looking at my phone in the middle of prayer, but for whatever reason I did, and it was it was Scott calling me. And uh, so I'm, I, I was like, wow, you know, that was a quick answer to prayer, Lord. Uh, so I answered the phone and talked to him. And uh, at any rate, that um, really, that that was the, what became my first discipling opportunity. and. Few months after uh, that uh, um, phone call with Scott, uh, ended up baptizing him. Wow, that's amazing! Did you have another? Uh, you mentioned that there was another category of verses. Did you have yeah, another so one? Then, so uh, there's uh, four other verses that are key to me in, in my outward uh, uh, disciple making uh, ministry, and those are um, well. I, so I, I uh, summarize these, but with a uh, I guess sort of a catchy little formula, but I call it GC squared times GT squared. And the two GCs are the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. Um, and uh, the Great Commission has been instrumental in my and what I do because I um, one of the biggest things I get out of the Great Commission is teaching disciples to obey all the commandments of Jesus. So a lot of what I do is obedience-based. Uh, my discipleship stuff is obedience-based. Uh, the great commandment is instrumental in, in what I do when I'm making disciples. Um, cause I realize that I'm 
not the most loving guy in the world. I'm not blessed with the gift of mercy. And I can't love people the way God does without his help. So I depend heavily upon the Lord um, in my ability to do the um, great commandment, loving loving God, loving neighbors as I love myself. The two GTs are the great, I call those the great target and the great team. The great target is Acts 1.8, um, <clears throat> where Jesus defines starting by starting out, making disciples in your own city, then your region, uh, then the neighboring country, and then overseas and to the ends of the earth. And so... I've done that. Uh, I've kind of modeled my uh, disciple-making ministry over that. I started in my own city and neighborhood because um, I wanted to. I wanted to be faithful to the Great Target Acts one eight. As I did that, uh, opportunities to expand into the region, Pacific Northwest, and even the uh, even into the rest of the country, uh, just sort of uh, presented themselves without me even working hard to make those things happen. Uh, I've not yet traveled to any other countries. Um, I have had people from other countries come to me, and I have discipled people that have traveled to other countries. And so perhaps someday I'll travel overseas, but right now I feel like God's called me to focus on making disciples in my own city, region, and country. Uh, the last GT is a great team, which is Ephesians 4.11. Um, Ephesians 4.12 through 16 is a great passage describing perfectly mature Christians working together seamlessly as one body. Uh <clears throat> Many of us long for ourselves and others to become this mature, working together, um, but oftentimes we don't see that happening in our own local churches or even in ourselves. Um, so I've, I've just come to realize the truth is if you really want to see Ephesians 12 through 16 become a reality in your gathering or your local church, you've got to go through Ephesians 4.11 to get there. Uh, so Ephesians 4.11, building is really, for me it's really about building a team of people that are making disciples together. Because those, uh, we don't, uh, Ephesians 4, 12 through 16, I just don't see that happening unless all five of those roles in Ephesians 4, 11 are working together uh, to make disciples. Um, so in my ministry, developing and building a team has always been uh, kind of at the forefront or an instrumental piece of what I've been doing uh, over the last six years. Excellent. Now, Aaron, we know that not everybody's life is always easy and happy. Uh, it can seem like when we look around that sometimes there's what I refer to as the Facebook effect, that it looks like from the outside, everybody else's life is amazing. And ours on the inside maybe feels like a blooper reel or something like that. Uh, so it's it's good for us sometimes to connect with people based on their struggles. Do you have a challenge or a struggle that you faced one time that you could share with us uh, about what happened and then a little bit about God's faithfulness through that? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, so uh, for the last uh, 11 years or so, I've been a loan officer, a mortgage broker, and uh so back in, uh, I think we're all familiar with the kind of the real estate bubble that uh, burst back in 2007, 2008, 2009 timeframe. And uh, so that was a big deal for those of us that were working in, in the real estate industry. And um, basically uh, when that happened, uh, I went through, um, it was about 2009 when I basically ended up taking my income reduced by about 60, 65%. Um, and that was sort of a big deal. My wife uh, wasn't working at the time, uh, so we basically just took a 65% pay cut. Um, that basically equated to us being you know, about 25 grand short and you know, 
money we needed to pay our bills. Every year for about two and a half years, I uh, went through that, um, uh, which was a, a pretty big deal for us <laughs> at the time. And uh, so there were a lot of ways in which uh, God was faithful in that. Um, you know, there are a lot of times when, um, you know, me and my wife had to pick each other up um, to move forward in that. Um, spent a lot of time in prayer, uh, spent a lot of time in prayer with friends. Um, you know, I, I wasn't, uh, you know, part of the thing that I've learned, you know, I know that what God was doing in me was I've always kind of been a bit of a pull yourself up by your bootstraps kind of guy. And so the Lord was kind of um, uh, tearing that out of me through that um, experience ordeal. And uh, so it was it was tough and it was difficult to admit and tell people and friends the financial difficulty that I was going through. Um so I'm. We never. I never asked people for money, but I did let people know that we were going through difficult financial times, and uh, the Lord used uh, people to um, make up that twenty-five thousand dollars a year for two and a half years, um, and so that was pretty amazing. We'd have people. Um, I'd say at least half. Most, you know, sixty, seventy percent of the money probably came from family. Um, but when family or friends, um, or church gave us money, um, I would always ask them why they were giving us the money and they would all, every time they say, because God told me to give it to you. And for me, that was really the only answer that was acceptable to me. If they had said anything other than that, I would have, I would have turned down the money. Um, at any rate, um, that can, after about two and a half years, um, you know, I got to the point where we'd always paid our bills on time, but we started getting, um, uh, you know, some notices in the mail that uh, they were going to send us collections. So we were right on the financial collapse. And um, I got together again with my closest buddy at the time. And uh, we went to pray. Uh, we did another, I think we did another all night prayer that night. We'd start praying around nine or 10 at night. Uh, we'd do this a couple times a year. Start around nine or 10 at night and pray until the sun came up or until as close as we could get to the sun coming up. And anyway, so we just spent some time crying out to the Lord for, I was crying out to the Lord for financial help. Uh, at the time, he, uh, my buddy had a stepfather who was not saved and uh, we spent a day, a night crying out to the Lord. Um, for those two things. And, uh, that Friday, I think that was on a Sunday or a Monday. And that Friday I got a call from, uh, from a company that I'd applied for, uh, you know, throughout, throughout the whole process, I was, you know, busting my tail in the mortgage industry and also applying for other jobs, both, both, um, primary jobs and secondary jobs. And uh, at any rate, uh, that Friday, uh, I got a call from one of the, one of the, one of the companies I applied for, uh, they called me up and said, uh, can you be here on Monday? And, uh, they weren't offering me any more money than I was making at the time. But, uh, just the fact that I was getting con consistent income was an appealing thing. Cause in the mortgage industry, it's hundred percent, uh, hundred percent commissioned. Uh, and there were, there were times I'd go two months without even getting a paycheck. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so at any rate, you know, I was really kind of it was still a little bit torn. I struggled with, well, it's the same amount of money I'm making now. I'm still going to be short. Um, 
you know, what do I do? You know, the, the stability in the income would be nice. I'd be able to develop a budget and all this kind of stuff. So any rate, I said, hey, that sounds great. Uh, can I call you back in an hour? And they called me late, like in the afternoon, like three in the afternoon or something. So I called my dad and, uh, and uh, he was, uh, my, my uh, mom answered the phone and said, oh, uh, dad's sleeping. And I said, well, can I wake him up? It's important, I need to talk to him. So he comes to the phone, still kind of groggy from his nap. And he says, uh, man, I just had this dream that you were telling me that you were quitting the mortgage industry um, and I don't even remember all the details, but basically as soon as he said that, I was like, all right, I think, I, I think, I, <laughs> I think he answered my question without me even telling you what's going on. And so I, I explained to him what was going on and he started walking through, you know, helping me make a choice. And I just said, Hey, look, dad, I think I already know what I need to do based on that. You know, he just had that dream, you know, in the midst of me calling you, uh, I know what I need to do at this point. Um, so anyways, the, the, you know, just the fact that God was meeting the financial needs and uh, throughout the two and a half years and, um, you know, prov- did provide a job that um, gave me some stability, got our feet back on the ground, um, you know, all that stuff was huge. It also kind of, the Lord kind of got rid of that pridefulness in me where, you know, I could always take care of myself and do what I need to on my own without anybody's help. Um, so I had to rely on not just God, but on other people to get me through that. Wow. That's, that's an amazing story. That's the kind of thing that, uh, you, you hear about, but then to, to meet somebody even on Skype that's been through that and to talk to you about it, I think that's pretty amazing. With that, I would like to move to the other end of the spectrum, because just like we have challenges, we also have these times when God reveals something to us, whether it's a, sort of a shaft of light moment of revelation, or if it's something that God's been revealing to us over time, we have those moments. Could you take us to a, a time in your life, a story in your journey, when God was revealing something to you, and then share with us what you did to take what he revealed to you and to run with it? Uh, yeah, I can uh, have a good story around that that just happened earlier this year, um, probably back in March or April of, of this year, 2014. Um, so the basically the short the short the short version is um, God showed me it was, it was a bit of a revelation of all, and it's kind of embarrassing to even admit, but God showed me that healing the sick is a commandment from Jesus in Luke 10. And that's embarrassing because, uh, you know, I study and I study Luke 10 a lot and I do, I try to uh, model and do, uh, you know, my discipleship after Luke 10. Because in my opinion, Luke 10 is sort of uh, an unveiling of the Great Commission or it provides some details about how Jesus went about doing the Great Commission. At any rate, I'd always read past the passage. I think it's Luke 10, 9 where Jesus said to, to heal the sick and tell them that the kingdom has come near to them. And I just read past that like, yeah, okay, yeah, sure. And at any rate, um, a new friend of mine uh, back in March or April was um, talking to me about healing and, um, you know, the, the, uh, the importance that healing per- plays in um, work that missionaries do overseas and you know I think a lot of us have heard stories about how missionaries see a lot of that kind of stuff or more of that overseas than they do here and so he was just talking to me about how he felt it was important that we bring that healing um, to what we're doing here in the United States and I, I totally agree with him I was like yeah no I'm, I'm down with that I, I hear what you're saying and 
So uh, he gave me a book, um, uh, it was uh, called Divine Healing Made Simple. It was, it was written by a guy with a pen named The Praying Medic, I believe. Anyway, he gave me that book, and uh, reading through that book was pretty eye-opening for me. And it just, I just, I was reading through that book, I did, there was when I realized that, you know, Jesus told us to heal the sick in Luke 10. He didn't didn't suggest it. He didn't offer it as an idea or something you might want to consider. But it was a commandment. And the Great Commission said, Jesus says, teach the disciples to obey all my commandments. It doesn't say teach them to obey all my commandments except for healing. And uh, so I said, okay, you know, I know this is a bit of a controversial subject in uh, certain Christian circles. But I said, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in with both feet on this whole healing thing and... Uh, so, you know, I learned a lot through reading that book and uh, the fellow that write, wrote that book really kind of, he, he himself is a marketplace Christian, and which is another reason why I, I think I really liked that book. And uh, he also got saved later in life. Um, I don't think he got saved until he was 38 himself. And uh, <clears throat> at any rate, um, that, so as I began my journey and, and um doing my best to obey the commandment to heal the sick. Uh, I would say that I had some little successes with that here and there throughout the summer, but that really, for me, kind of all culminated in a House of Peace search that I um, did in Louisville, Kentucky in October of this year. Um, so we got, I organized uh, both Field USA and uh, did some work with James Harvey and No Place Left and Art Thomas and brought together three different networks to go out and do a House of Peace search, combining all of our best practices, so to speak, um, uh, and a House of Peace search in Louisville. And so I, I went out and did that. And the last door I knocked on, um, me, and, me and the buddy that I was walking with at the time, uh, we knocked on this last door. We hear some commotion in the home uh, but it took him two or three minutes to get to the door. He finally gets to the door. He opens the door just a crack, just enough to see us and says, what do you guys want? And I said, well, hey, uh, I feel like God um, asked us to come to this apartment complex and pray with people. Is there anything that we can pray for you about? And he said, you can pray for my hip. And I said, well, what's, what, what's wrong with your hip? So I had hip surgery and it hurts, you know, it hurts. <laughs> And uh, so, uh, you know, the door is still only open to crack. Like I'm wanting to, you know, bust the door down and lay hands on this guy and get him healed. And, uh, you know, that, that wasn't going to happen in this situation. So I said, okay. And so I just said, hey, uh, in the name of Jesus, I command, I command this hip to be healed. And then uh, he's, you know, I think I said amen. And he said, uh, all right, thanks, guys. See you later. I said, no, no. I said, test it out, man. Put some weight on it. Uh, see how it feels. Because he was, as he was standing at the door, I forgot to mention, he, he was standing on one leg. And he had his other leg um, propped up on something behind him. So he's standing on one leg. So I'm saying, hey, test it out. You know, put some weight on it. See, see if you feel anything different. So he did. He shifted his weight to both legs. And immediately a huge smile broke out across his face. And I mean, he was smiling so big he couldn't even talk. He, he couldn't even say anything. And I'm like... I say, well, you know, what, you know, what's going on? What are you smiling at? What, you know, tell me what's happening. And he's like, and he still couldn't talk. You know, he's just, the smile was so big on his face. And he's moving around a little bit more. And he's like kind of doing squats and stuff. And I said, uh, 
I mean, is it totally healed? What happened, man? And he, is it like, what, is it 50%? Like, give me a, give me some idea of what's going on here. He says, uh, it, it feels like it's at least 50% better. And I said, uh, well, can we come in and lay hands on your hip and pray for it tomorrow? I want to, I want to get hundred percent healed. And he said, come on in. And he swung the door wide open. He took a step back, swung the door wide open and said, come on in. So me and my buddy, we go in there and you know, my buddy, uh, uh, his eyes are, you know, as big as, you know, they could be at this point. He can't believe what's going on. So we, and we walk in and we lay hands on this guy's hip. His name was Roy, uh, this fellow that we're praying for. And, uh, so we lay hands on his hip and, and, and prayed again. I think me and Al both prayed for Roy. And I uh, said, uh, you know, move around some more, you know, and this, like he's, this time he's doing more squats and he's jumping up and down and smiling some more. And I said, how's it feeling? He's like, I mean, is it? he's like, it's at least 75% better. He's like, I can't believe it. And uh, so we start talking to him a little bit more. We find out that he, he um, grew up some in the church. He certainly knew the gospel and was familiar with Jesus and whatnot, but he clearly uh, wasn't walking with Jesus now based on some of the things that he told us. And so I, I, I said, hey, Roy, can I share a story with you? And he said, yeah, sure, man. And so I, I basically shared the first story of hope, uh, the woman who wept to the feet of Jesus, um, went through the cross questions with him. And, uh, and he was knocking the questions out of the park and um, was really, the story was obviously connecting with this guy. And uh, so I said, uh, I said, hey, Roy, uh, you know, what are you feeling prompted to do after going through the story? And seeing your hip healed and whatnot. And he said, well, I know that I know I need to share my testimony with people. I had a near death experience recently and uh, I need to share that story with people. And then I need to get back to church. And I said, well, who do you know that needs to hear this story? And he said, well, my sister, she has cancer and they only gave her three months to live. So I said, Roy, I'm going to ask you to pray for these two things. You know, what God prompted you to do and pray for your sister. So he said, all right, and we held hands. And uh, he, he immediately started, he didn't even pray for the things he talked about. He immediately um, just launched out into a prayer of rededicating his life to Jesus. Um, just start saying, man, Jesus, I know I need you in my life and it's been a long time. And, you know, I confess, I repent, you know, of these things in his life. And, and I was in shock. I mean, I couldn't believe it because, you know, that wasn't even what he talked about. And uh, when I gave him the opportunity to pray, he just went in a whole, you know, deeper direction. And at any rate, when he finished with that, I said, I said, uh, Roy, we pray one more time for your hip. And he said, yeah, sure, man. So we prayed one more time for his hip. And, uh, you know, we uh, gave him a hug, told him we loved him. But throughout that conversation, we also set up opportunity for some local people in Louisville to reconnect with Roy. But uh, so that was a, that was kind of a big deal for both me, Roy, and the guy that I was out with um, in regards to this whole healing journey I've been on uh, this year. That's great. Uh, if it's okay with you, I, the, as you were sharing, there was something that kind of came to my mind, and I would like to insert a question here, if that's okay. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's not so much a question as just... You've shared some amazing things about what God's done. I'd like to give you for just a minute or so to to just brag on Jesus and share a little bit about what you've seen him do. This isn't about necessarily your ministry or anything, but just the things that you've seen him do. Yeah, I don't even know how, what, how to get started with that. There's so many things. Um, 
you know, I guess, um, hmm. you know, I guess you know, a lot of things, but, um, you know, I, I'm always amazed, you know, it's just, I guess for me, if I was just to settle on one thing, it's just how, it's just the fact that Jesus honored that promise he gave me when I was 13 years old. You know, when he said every, if you follow me, you know, each year or year after will be better than the last. And, and uh, you know, that's, you know, apart from the, in my prodigal son years in my 20s, you know, that's definitely been the case. But it's even more so been the case when, since my 36th birthday, when I um, committed to, you know, serving Jesus and making disciples for the rest of my life. Um, so, I'd, I mean, the last six years, each year is just always been so much better than the last and in terms of a whole lot of different things you know building making disciples and learning about discipleship and building a team here in uh portland area portland oregon area and uh um seeing people get healed uh, this year has been fun it's fun to see the looks on people's faces when um you know when jesus heals them through me i mean it, it's like the difference between telling somebody the gospel and somebody hearing the uh, experiencing the gospel uh it makes a huge difference especially in portland where uh people seem to be so inoculated against gospel presentations healing is a great doorway into a person's heart um so that's been a that's been a huge that whole healing thing has been a huge thing for me and for a number of other people um so i, I mean that that's a tough question to answer, but I guess that's the best I got for now. <laughs> uh, that's that's great. As you were sharing that, it it was it's it's just good to hear that to be reminded of God's faithfulness, um, and it's good to hear that from other believers. You know, I can remind myself, but there's something special about hearing that from somebody else as well. So I really do thank you for sharing that. Um, I do want to be a little bit sensitive of time because uh, we're kind of coming close to the end of the time that we had booked. And I would like to skip ahead if that's okay. And this is, this is a question I'm really looking forward to hearing from you because I know that not everyone who listens to this show is called to vocational ministry. Most of the people who listen are like you. They're called into the marketplace, although in different a variety of different forms. And I'd like to hear from you a little bit about what you would say to somebody who is called into the marketplace you know, they're not called to vocational ministry, the traditional vocational ministry, and they're starting to wonder if what they're doing really matters in the kingdom. Uh, yeah, I would, I would say, um, I would say three things to uh, uh, somebody like that. Hey, I mean, I'm, I'm the, in the same boat, so uh, <laughs> I'm a marketplace guy myself, so. I've never been in, uh, you know, vocational uh, ministry of any kind. So I, I would, the three things I would say is, um, you know, first of all, it's true that, that not all of us can be in paid ministry. I think in, in the United States, there's only about 3% of Christians that are in paid ministry. And over the last 10 years, that number has been declining. Uh, however, I believe that Jesus did call all of his disciples to missions, not just a few. And I believe that if you're a disciple of Jesus, you're already on a mission. You're, you're on Jesus's mission. And, and missions are not confined to only traveling to the ends of the earth. I believe missions are defined in Acts 1-8. The great target missions start in your own neighborhood, in your own city. Uh, second thing I would share is, 
in the New Testament, I, I only count four extraordinary events happening inside a church building. The other hundred or so extraordinary events all happened outside of church buildings, and many of those happened in the marketplace. So, I mean, therefore, in my opinion, uh, we marketplace Christians who live and work outside the church building really do have the best ministry environment uh, because the Holy Spirit <clears throat> just moves in more amazing ways outside of church buildings than he does in them. I mean, just ask any missionary. Um, so, I mean, after all, you know, Jesus came to seek and save that which is lost. Jesus came to spend more time with those who need a doctor than those who not, do not. So, I mean, if you're a marketplace Christian, I mean, you, you're in the best possible place you can be at. You're going to see more New Testament miraculous things happen than people that are doing most of their work in the church building. Uh, the third thing I would share is, is that you should invite people to Jesus before you ever invite them to church. People need Jesus a lot more than they need the church. So I would say you, you got to share the good news of Jesus with others. You got to share your life with others. Uh, begin the discipleship process with others. And then when these coworkers, neighbors, and folks in your city neighborhood accept Jesus as Savior and Lord, what I've learned is that they will invite themselves to the body of Christ. They'll invite themselves to come to church. Um, you, in my experience, when you invite people to church, a lot of times it feels like you know, you're dragging people kicking and screaming or they don't really want to be there. Um, what I've learned is inviting people to Jesus first um, creates Christians that want to go to church. Yeah. Um, I, I do thank you for that. I'd like to skip ahead and just capture a couple of questions from the speed round. Uh, one would be, what's the best advice you've ever received? Walk in the Spirit. Okay. And the other one is, is there a book that you would recommend for our listeners? Uh, yeah, I guess, uh, I guess I'd recommend that book I mentioned earlier uh, by the Praying Medic. Okay. Uh, divine, that is Divine Healing Made Simple. Okay. And for those listening, um, I will have links to the resources available in the show notes, which will be at engagingmissions.com slash Aaron Palmquist. Now, Aaron, there's just one last thing I'd like to do. I'd just get, like to get one last parting piece of guidance from you, just if you could share one last thing with us. And then if someone wanted to connect with you, if there's a way that they could connect with you, if you could share that as well, that'd be great. Then we'll say goodbye. Okay. Um, last part. I guess I'd share two things. Number one, I guess the first thing, um, it's more of an observation than guidance or advice, but um, I never would have uh, predicted how much making disciples with my wife would have improved our marriage. Uh, I mean, I thought we had a pretty good marriage before she and I entered into this disciple-making journey, and, and we did, but uh, we were both pleasantly and thankfully surprised how much making disciples together as a team uh, took our marriage to a whole new level. Uh, and for that, we're very thankful uh, to Jesus. Uh, and then parting advice I would get, I would share would be that go above and beyond at forming deep and intimate relationships with the following people. Uh, I would highly recommend forming deep and intimate relationships with the Holy Spirit, with Jesus, the Father in heaven, with your brothers and sisters in the church, in the body of Christ. And the last group of people 
I would highly recommend forming deep and intimate relationships with are those who are far from God, those who are not in the body of Christ. Uh, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be baptized in the Holy Spirit and walk in the Holy Spirit. Uh, people, the best way to connect with me would to connect people. The best way for people to connect with me would be on Facebook. Okay. Can can I get you to send me a link and I can include that in the show notes? Yeah, sure. Okay, cool. Aaron, thanks again so much for being with us. I really do appreciate the time that you took to do this. Yeah, no problem. My pleasure. That's all the time that we had with Aaron Palmquist. I'm so thankful that he was willing to step outside his comfort zone and do this. This was, for me, a, a very meaningful interview because Aaron is called into the marketplace. He does operate in the marketplace, as do I and so many of us. So it was good to hear from him and how God's been using him. One thing that really stood out to me that kind of struck me was that comment that healing the sick is a commandment from Jesus. That's not something that I'd ever considered as a commandment. And clearly that's something that God needed to set right in my head. Perhaps that's affected you as well. And if so, I would recommend that you pick up a copy of the book that he recommended, Divine Healing Made Simple. As I mentioned before, you'll find that linked up in the show notes at engagingmissions.com slash Aaron Palmquist or slash 43. And of course, there is that search bar there. So if you want to start searching, that might be another way, easy way to find him. I am interested also in maybe something that stood out to you as he was sharing, something from his story, some insight, uh, maybe even a question that you have. If that's the case, you can also stop by the show notes again at engagingmissions.com slash Aaron Palmquist, and you can leave that there. Uh, I'd love to hear from you about that, yeah, whether there was something that you liked about the show, something you didn't like about the show, some question or insight, maybe something that you'd like to add to the discussion. That would be great to hear from you. And of course, also, if there's something that you'd like to share that's maybe more personal that you don't want to put up on the show notes, you can always email at feedback at engagingmissions.com. Whether this is your first time here or whether you've been with us since the very beginning, I am really thankful that you're here. It means a lot to know that you're here. I do hope that you're encouraged and inspired by what Aaron's shared and will continue to come back if you haven't been already. If you would like to make sure that you don't miss anything, don't miss any of the missionaries or any of the marketplace ministers like Aaron that we interview, you'll definitely want to subscribe in iTunes. You can do that by visiting engagingmissions.com slash iTunes. And also, if you've never left a rating and review for the show, that would mean an awful lot. Not only does it help me understand whether or not I'm meeting your needs and if there's something that I need to improve or something that I'm doing well, but it also helps other people find this show because as they're searching for something to listen to, it makes it more likely that we will pop up and that they will connect with someone like Aaron or any of our 42 other guests. That would mean an awful lot to me. And of course, if you wanted to shoot an email to a friend or a family member to let them know about the show, that would mean a lot as well. Finally, I don't know that I can say this enough. I so appreciate that you're here. And my prayer is that you will be encouraged and inspired to engage in missions wherever you are, whether that means increasing giving, whether that means praying more, whether that means stepping out into the mission field, or whether that means just stepping out into your neighborhood and into your workplace and bringing the love of Christ to someone there. My heart is that you would be transformed and that the world around you would be transformed as it confronts the gospel in your life. This has been the Engaging Missions Radio Show. Thanks so much for listening. May God richly bless you. We'll see you next week.